and warriors will be changed forever. To eliminate his greatest foe, a man who wields rage and hatred to destroy opponents must become rage, become hatred. It's all gonna be over. To conquer hell, one man must set aside his beliefs and become vengeance, become sin. Marcos is ready to fight! To slay the monster, the champion must himself become a monster. He is no doubt a marked man. And to become a champion, the malicious beast must evolve into pure evil. Nothing can stop me. Tonight, men will descend into hell to settle old scores and seek new beginnings. No man will be left unscathed. And although victorious, the hearts of those who survive their transformation will forever be tainted with bad blood. week it was my pick and uh i kind of wish i had your pick for next week because i'd much rather i think have watched great american bash 92 spoiler alert that sounds a lot more fun than the event i picked is bad blood 2004 the third and final bad blood event only one d in bad though so it wasn't too bad the tagline was he's back watch yours i don't know what that means but that was the tagline i'm not sure who was back uh the cover Could athlete be ben wall's back he had been back, though, because he had already got the belt. The title athlete is Edge, and in the background is just Edge pictures. It's four versions of Edge on the cover of this pay-per-view. and uh, Could be that Edge is back. Maybe. Uh, well, what a return he had. As uh, I thought things were going bad at our last pay-per-view, Armageddon 2002. Nope, he was still in the shitter in 2004. <laughs> and the theme song tonight... And this is included in the network version. Sold me by Seether. And you would hear it in every promo and uh, every video uh, it's, uh, shown to you tonight. The sponsor tonight, Subway Eat Fresh. It's June 13th, 2004. Almost 14 years to the day, almost. 9,000 people were back in Ohio as that's where every pay-per-view seems to happen in Ohio. This one's in Columbus at the Nationwide Arena. Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side, except when it's not. And you have to cancel your insurance, which is what I had to do with Nationwide. Fuck Nationwide. You can go fuck yourself. That's what I think about Nationwide. Well, no, see, now I'm intrigued. I want to hear this. <laughs> well, you see, Nationwide was my insurer on my uh, Jeep Compass. And uh, I had let my friend use my Compass to go to work because he had no other way to get to work. So he went to work. And uh, he was in an intersection and a sewage truck, one of those uh, pump trucks that basically pumps either like... Uh, septic tanks or uh, right. porta potties. I don't know. It had one of those giant hoses on the back. For some reason, uh, the guy in the sewage truck decided to back up at this intersection into my Jeep, which 
Uh, there was a guy, I guess, behind my friend who was in my Jeep, and so he totally wrecked my front end. And so uh, it was up to this guy in the sewage truck's insurance company to fix my car. Well, it turns out they fumbled around. They never would get it done. So I said, okay, I'm going to have to report it to my insurance company, which was nationwide at the time. I call them up. I say, ah, oh, someone hit my car. They took care of it and everything. And I thought, oh, they did a really good job here. That happened in the fall. And when my insurance was about to roll over, uh, it turns out my premium had gone up significantly. I think like 50 bucks a month or something. Like something very different than what I was accustomed to. And so I called Nationwide. I said, why is it going up? And they gave me some bullshit reasons. They didn't actually tell me why it was going up. And I said, well, I just want to let you guys know that because of that, I'm going to find a new insurance company. I said, oh, that's fine. And so I found another insurance company. And then, uh... After I canceled my insurance a few weeks after with Nationwide, it gets a thing in the mail and it says, Retroactively, we are going to add your friend to your insurance policy. You owe us like 250 bucks. And it was dated after I had called them and told them I was going to cancel because of this premium increase. So you don't have to pay it. Well, that's what I thought. I told, uh, I tried to explain my position to the lady on the telephone at Nationwide and say, I don't even do business with you guys anymore. I'm not even on your... I'm not even... I moved on. And you can't just retro... That's bullshit. Yeah. You can't just backtrack and say, oh, you actually owe us from the last six months because we wanted to add this other person to your insurance, even though you only let him drive the vehicle once and all this other stuff, and explained I wouldn't be paying. And she said, well, we'll probably see in small claims court. And then I said, don't you... Now, this isn't, a, you know, an opinion of your company, Miss Nationwide Lady. Don't you think this is a little unfair and a little... Uh, it seems a little shady that you've... The date on the letter was after I had called and said I was going to cancel. And she said, yes. She admitted to me, this woman on the phone said, yeah, that seems a little shady. But I paid it anyway because I didn't want to deal with whatever. So, fuck Nationwide. Nationwide is not on your side. Nationwide will fuck you over somewhere down the road. So anyway, that is my Nationwide story. So we're at the Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you for that. That actually, our fans in, are intrigued by hearing your, your stories like that. This is a Raw brand pay-per-view. We're still in the brand split era, but now we've got brand split pay-per-views. Uh-oh. Which produced a lot of shitty shows. This one, I dare say, is included. <laughs> as it felt like an episode of Raw until the main event. Which kicked it way on hot. I took one page of notes here, just by Yeah, it. yeah. I, I, so fans understand. <laughs> no, I even as I, someone that watched all the matches and I try to be, you know, Mr. Play-By-Play, -play, so for some of the matches, there just wasn't much to say about them. The promo plays for the uh, pay-per-view. Let's finish it right here, right now, as we're two years removed from our last Sean and Hunter uh, match, our stopping point. But they had also clashed at WrestleMania 20 in the Triple Threat, which Benoit won. They had a rematch at Backlash, of course, a triple threat. They clashed in that. And here we are in June, still years removed from Sean coming back. It's still Sean and Triple H. Sean and Triple H forever. A couple weeks ago, we didn't discuss it on the show, but Sean talked about maybe coming back for one match. Patrick, I dare say, I know who his opponent would be if he came back for one match. AJ Styles. No, it would be Triple fucking H, because that's the way it fucking goes. I really do believe that Shawn Michaels is the greatest in-ring performer that we've ever seen, but... In some regards, his when he returned from the back injury, I feel like we wasted a lot of his matches on fucking Triple H. Oh, I agree. He gave great performances in them, great. but I feel like this kind of sucks because look at all the talent you had. You had Benoit and Eddie and Edge and Angle, and he did have a good match with Angle. But, you know, Cena down the road, he had a match with Cena, but, you know, some of... Not as many matches as with Hunter Hearst Helms. Dude, his match with Shelton Benjamin... On an on a episode of Raw, it's without a doubt outstanding. It's a great super kick. I don't know if the match is that. The match is, the match is high spot after high spot after high spot, but then that super kick alone, it just solidified its greatness. In that match, he hit Shelton Benjamin with a... Shelton was coming off the springboard and hit him with a super kick in midair. So that was that match. So tonight, battles will be raged. Warriors will be changed forever. Tonight, Triple H must become rage and hatred. Sean must become sin, as he knows no sin anymore. And Chris Benoit, this comes back to haunt the company. Chris Benoit must become a monster. That is said in the opening lines of this pay-per-view. And Kane must become pure evil. Uh, two guys that went in opposite directions of what they were instructed. <laughs> well, 
one guy that did become a monster and one guy that became the mayor of Knox County, possibly, in a few weeks. No man will be left unscathed. We're in Columbus, Ohio. The demonic Hell in a Cell awaits the arrival of Sean and Triple H. We will show you the Hell in a Cell throughout the night in case you forget what you paid $30 for because... 30 my ass is more like 45 now. But they had a very light card for uh, a paper. Oh, this shit's terrible. When we're getting Y2J and Tyson Tonko, like, come on, man. Rob Conway and Sylveon Grognier are out there. La Resistance says Rob Conway turned his back on the United States of America and joined the Canadians. More un-American shit. We haven't changed many of the gimmicks since 2002. It's just sort of different players, but doing the same shit. It's not Rob. It's Robert Conway. All right. Of course, Robert. This is their first tag title defense as they snuck this belt from somebody. Grenier sings the Canadian National Anthem. Edge is out as it's Canadian on Canadian Warfare. He's in the same gear he wore at Armageddon 2002, so this is a perfect compliment to the last time we saw him. Now, who could be Edge's partner? I don't know. We have this entire roster of great athletes. Let's make Chris Benoit work two matches, because why the fuck not? Because why would the world champion want a tag match? Do you think Triple H would ever say, yeah, I'm gonna be in an opening tag he match? Wants, I mean, this is for the tag titles. He wants to He wants to leave with gold around his waist and on his shoulder. So Chris Benoit is his partner, so this is very stupid. What a waste. Make this poor guy work two matches for no fucking reason. It's brilliant. Edge and Benoit light Conway up with some chops. Grenier and Conway seem pretty green. They don't do a lot of wrestling maneuvers. There's a giant two sign on the hard camera sign we'll be seeing all night for near falls. All night long. The crowd is completely silent for this match. A light USA chant breaks out for a match with three Canadians in it. La Resistance works Edge for the majority of the match. Benoit waits for the hot tag. He gets it, suplexes Conway into Grenier, then hits the Germans, the triple Germans on each of them. Hits a sharpshooter on Grenier, but Conway breaks it up. Edge almost spears Benoit, maybe teasing a future feud. No, just kidding, that never happens. He almost spears Benoit, but stops then Benoit hits a crossface to Grenier, and Edge hits a spear to Conway, and you think, oh, tag title change right here. And then Flames hit. Fuck you. Fuck you for buying this pay-per-view. Fuck you for being invested in this shitty match. Kane comes to the ring. Kane, big boots of faces, choke slams Benoit, then choke slams Edge. He throws Benoit into the steps, and you think, oh, tonight, later in his match, I guess he'll sell that injury. Nope, doesn't fucking matter. He throws Benoit in the steps for no reason, and there you go. That's the end of the tag title match. Way to get over your new champ strong. Way to get over your your champion strong, as he looks like a fucking fool here. And way to get over Edge, as it looked like you were setting up a program with the two of them, because that's what they love to do for a long time, is have the champion and someone else as the tag team champions, and then a tag break up and then go for the belt. That seems to be... That was their pattern for a long time. That's why, like, Austin and Michaels were tag champs. Yeah. Uh, that's just what they did. So that's what it looked like they were doing. Nope, 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 fuck that. Kane delivers a big boot to all those plans and says, fuck this. And so uh, I thought it was kind of stupid of Kane to do this because what if he had injured Benoit so badly that Benoit couldn't compete? You can't, the bell doesn't change on a forfeit. Yeah, it does. He forfeits the title. Okay, well, then he should have worked harder to injure him more than so. That's he, what I said. And he, he was satisfied with a big boot and throwing him in the steps. He said, that'll do it. I'll surely win later. As this match, these first two matches, I'm just like, what the fuck? So Coach, the Coachman, the third commentator on Raw in 2018, Jonathan Coachman is backstage with Bischoff. Bischoff wants Coach to get rid of Eugene. He's an embarrassment on the Bischoff family, unlike Garrett, who is uh, not an embarrassment even though he is. Eugene then appears and tells Bischoff... Oh, I want to go wrestle, and Bischoff has to lie to Eugene because Eugene overheard him uh, talking to Coach about not liking him, and Bischoff has to reassure him, No, I like you. You're great. I just don't want you to tear your quad like Triple H or break your neck like Chris Benoit. I want the best for you, Eugene. Even though Chris tries to talk Eugene down, he still wants to wrestle. Sorry, pay-per-view buyers. You're still getting Eugene match. Sorry, nothing. This is awesome. Match of the night. Y2J is out next. He's supposed to have hurt ribs from getting powerbombed through an announce table on Raw. He doesn't. He doesn't have them taped up, and he doesn't sell them, and this never comes into play during the match. So congrats, everybody. (laughs) 
He's taking on Tyson Tomko, who'd have a much better run in TNA before getting arrested for uh, robbing oxycodone pills from a CVS pharmacy. So here we go. How long did he get, by the way? Didn't get. I don't think he got a lot of time for it, but uh, Tomko had tried to chew up the evidence. He had tried to eat all the uh, pills that he stole, so uh, maybe that affected his uh, sentencing. Tomko now retired. This was at the, the WWE were bringing in lots of very big men with, uh, you know, Nathan Jones, Tyson Tomko, the blueprint, Matt Morgan. All these guys were just shuffled in. They thought, oh, we, he's big and he's he's big cast, you know, and a guy that's just shuffled in. They think he's going to be awesome and just never works out. Yeah. Tomko kind of had the look. He reminded me of like if Batista smoked crack, that's what he would look like, <laughs> kind of. Because he is a big guy, <laughs> he is a big but guy. he's not like overly muscular, and he's not—he just looks like a you know a biker guy that you know would beat the fuck out of you. But he's not—he's not—he just doesn't have much of a look to him, really. Tyson Tomko somehow got the services of Trish Stratus, who of course Y2J had a thing for. Tomko and Christian were tagging at this point in time, and so Christian. This is coming off the hills of WrestleMania 20 when Christian stole oh, I see. Trish. So. She was managing them as a tag team. Jericho lands a nice missile drop kick after Tomko starts the match off with some strikes and minimal offense. It's a springboard drop kick and knocks Tomko out of the ring. Tomko lifts Jericho up for like a press slam but drops him rib first onto his knee. Then he hits a boss man slam for a two count, hits some knees to Jericho, locks in a bear hug. Then Jericho bulldogs Tomko, misses the lion salt. Tomko hits a shoulder breaker to Jericho for a two count. Tries another press slam rib breaker thing, but Jericho slips out. Chop blocks Tomko's leg. Goes for the walls. Trish distracts him. Tomko knocks Trish off the apron by mistake. Jericho hits a running insiguri and wins the match. That's it. One, two, three. Welcome. What a great showing for everybody involved. And that's it. Todd Grisham is backstage with Randy Orton. Tomorrow is the half-year anniversary of Randy Orton's IC title run. And he just wants to celebrate. He has something that Shelton Benjamin will never have. That's greatness. He's 24 and he's accomplished more than anybody in this arena ever did. Get a look at greatness. Have a freaking look. So then he grabs the mic and he comes out to the crowd and he jaws at them about how lazy and stupid they are. And he says, there's millions of people like you in the crowd, but I am one in a million. You may now bow to greatness. Randy Orton. Randy, obviously it's a huge night for you and Evolution. Later tonight you face Shelton Benjamin. You know what, Todd? You know what, Todd? Let me, let me ask you a question. Okay, what, what's tomorrow? What is tomorrow known for? Um, well, that's exactly right. You don't know, D. I'm going to tell you. Okay, tomorrow marks the half-year anniversary that I've been the Intercontinental Champion. Okay? I've had the longest reign with this title in the last seven years. Okay? In the last pay-per-view that I was on, I left Mick Foley in a pool of his own blood. Okay? I beat him at his own game. Now, granted, Shelton Benjamin is a better athlete than Mick Foley. There's something that I have that Shelton Benjamin will never have. And that is greatness. I am a living legend. Are you people booing me? You people disagree with me? Oh, okay. Yeah, like you people know what greatness is. You I'm 24 years old, and I've accomplished way more than anyone in that arena. Anyone in that arena put together, okay? Keep talking smack. Test me. I will come out there. I will come out there. Okay, but anyway, Todd, as I was saying. Okay, you know what? You know what? You did it. Cameraman, follow me. Follow the IC champ. We're going for a walk. You people want to boo me? You people know who I am? I am Randy Orton, third generation superstar. You people are in for a treat. You want me to come out early? Fine, have it your way. Get a look at greatness. Get a look at greatness. Huh? Have a look. Have a freaking look. Schedule for uh, this Intercontinental title fist later tonight. Bypass the normal entrance. You're looking at the man that ended Mick Foley's career.
career. You're looking at the man that spit in Mick Foley's face. And Harley races too. You people have your jobs. You people have your jobs. Sure, you work hard. Have your jobs. Sure, you work hard. You work hard for that raise. You work hard to become that employee of the month. That's greatness to you. But this is real greatness. You're looking at real greatness, people. That's right, that's just my point. That's just my point. There's millions of people like you. There's millions of people. There's millions of people like you. And that's just my point. You see, Randy Orton is one in a million. One in a million, all right. And arrogant. Greatness has entered the ring. Thank you very much. You may bow at will. These people have, here in Columbus have been put in their place, and rightfully so. Now about my match later tonight, about my match with Shelton Benjamin, I want the respect that I deserve from each and every one of you. I want you to stand up on your feet and respect Randy Orton. Respect me, because I am Randy Orton, and I'm the living legend. I am a living legend. As well, as well as the Intercontinental Champion, thank you very much. Ain't no stopping me now. Yes, Shelton comes out and says, nobody gives a damn what Randy says. Shelton says, start the match, and they do. That's nice. He has booking power. He just The match is supposed to be later on in the night, right now. I like it's it now. He immediately rolls up Orton, which I thought was a good strategy. Oh, Nearly right. wins the title. Dude, if he'd have won the title that way... That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Well, because Orton was moving on to the main picture scene. I mean, he yeah. was moving on to win the title at SummerSlam, so yeah. why not just drop it like that? A quick, quick roll up. That momentum would have rode. Oh God, that did not. Orton rolls out to regroup, and Shelton baseball slides him, takes Orton's shirt off for him. Thanks, bud, and throws it in his face. Shelton rolls Orton in the ring, lands some arm drags and strikes before Orton bails out of the ring again. Randy Orton, very green here, does not know a lot of uh, wrestling moves. Orton whips Benjamin into the guardrail, but then Benjamin drops Orton into the crowd. Benjamin retrieves Orton, brings him into the ring, tries a few roll-ups on Orton, has no luck. Orton bails outside, and Benjamin suplexes him back into the ring for a near fall. Benjamin misses a stinger splash, falls to the outside. Ric Flair then struts down to the ring, which gets a huge pop from the crowd, and he high-fives Orton. So, will he be interfering? Yes, yes, he will be. Orton applies a chin lock for ages while Ric Flair just, yeah, yeah, just claps. Just looks like your grandpa at your soccer game. Doing a great job, kid. Yeah. Benjamin lifts Randy in the electric chair position, drops him. Randy then hits an over-the-shoulder neckbreaker to Benjamin, sort of like an upside-down RKO. Then he goes back to a chin lock because he's Randy Orton. He body slams Shelton Benjamin, goes to the top turnbuckle. Randy, what are you doing up there, buddy? He misses a crossbody, then a northern lights from Benjamin with a bridge only gets a two count. They start slugging each other. Benjamin runs into a forearm, hits a leaping shoulder tackle, hits a back body drop to Orton before climbing to the top turnbuckle, hitting a flying clothesline for two, then a spinning heel kick for two. He hits a stinger splash and a T-bone suplex to Randy, but Flair puts Orton's foot on the ropes. Flair struts up the ramp, but Benjamin says no, no, no. And now Ric Flair's going to get some work as Benjamin brings him into the ring and back body drops him. Splashes Flair. Splashes Orton. Figure four to Flair because it's Ric Flair and everybody has to figure four him. While he has Flair in the figure four, he rolls Randy up for a near fall. So he's fighting two men at once. That, if he'd have pinned him too, would have been great. He runs Orton into Flair and scores a near fall. Benjamin hits a top turnbuckle cross to Orton. Orton rolls over, grabs the tights, and gets the win. Another flat finish. Two times there were they could have changed the shot. Changed the title. When he had Ric Flair in the figure four, though, and rolls Orton up, if he'd have pinned him, that'd been awesome. Shelton should have won the belt here, and just because you're moving Randy up, like, just move on. Like, just a fluke loss, no big deal. It's not going to cost Randy anything. But they had time to fill Patrick. Because, if I mean, if if, if he had rolled... If he had rolled up Orton right when the bell rung like they tried to do, then, I mean, Eugene would have to go another 10, 15 minutes. I mean... That'd be all right. They had a lot of time to fill here. Uh, 
Lita is with Matt Hardy, and they start making out, thanks. And then security comes in the dressing room. Apparently, making out's not allowed. Bischoff wants security to get Matt the fuck out of the arena. Matt leaves the dressing room and wishes Lita good luck, because he's a bitch, and he just goes along with the plan. Trish is back out with Tomko, then Gail Kim. Remember her in the WWE? Yeah, she was there. She comes out in Victoria, who has a massive knee brace on. And then Lita come out. This is a fatal four-way for the women's belt. Who was the champion at the time? That would be Victoria was the actual champion. I didn't remember. Trish wisely sneaks out of the ring at first. Victoria and Gail Kim go at it in the ring. Then Victoria twerks, hits a standing moonsault on Gail. But Trish and Lita break up the cover. Lita springs off Trish's back to hit a clothesline on Kim, who was in the corner. Trish misses the chick kick. Lita covers her. But Tomko breaks it up. And Mike Kyoto says, you're out of here. As Tomko gets set to the back. Twist of fate to Trish from Lita, but Gale breaks it up. Victoria hits a sidewalk slam to Gale for two. Lita hits a flying head scissors to Trish. She uh, bails outside. Gale hits the flying dragon, which is a tilt-a-whirl head scissors arm bar to Victoria, but Trish makes the save. Gale smacks the shit out of Trish, then puts her in a dragon sleeper, but Victoria makes the save. Lita hits a snap suplex to Victoria, nips up, but then Victoria and Lita smack their heads into each other as they were running towards the corner. That looked painful. And Lita and Kim are now all alone in the ring. Kim charges at Lita in the corner, but spears the turnbuckle instead. Lita delivers a stiff DDT to Gail Kim, but Trish sneaks into the ring, inside cradles Lita, and wins the match. But yeah, that was it. It was just uh, mm-hmm. inside cradle. One, two, three. Problem solved. Problem solved. That was really the goal of the night. Just, let's just get out of these matches. We don't really have finishes for them. <laughs> let's just get out of them. Eugene and Coach is next. Oh boy. It gets a recap video package. That's right. Eugene and Coach. That's one of our main storylines here tonight. Coach is out first in Michigan gear because we're in Columbus and he's a heel, so... Ohio State-Michigan feud is what he was feeding off of. And it worked. Eugene wants to come out and shake hands. Eugene squeezes Coach's hand and scares him because he's so strong. He doesn't realize his strength. Eugene ties himself up in a ball, lays in the center of the ring, and Coach just rolls him around like a ball. It's hilarious. If you've never seen this, you need to go back and watch this match. I don't think so. Eugene pops out of the ball and rolls Coach up for a near fall. Eugene then rides Coach like a dog... They do the crisscross spot. Eugene gets a stuffed animal from the crowd while Coach, who I guess is blind, didn't realize that Eugene had left the ring and uh, was still running the ropes while Eugene was out getting a stuffed animal. He brings a stuffed animal in the ring, but the ref kicks it out. Eugene then puts Coach in body scissors and rolls him around the ring like a ball. Eugene hits light headbutts, and I say very light, while he mimics a dog. He's on all fours and hitting Coach with the lightest headbutts. JYD. A woman in a bikini comes down to the ring with cookies. This was Coach's big plan all along. Eugene goes for the cookies because he's a child, and then Coach sneak attacks him. Coach rams Eugene's head into the buckle, but Eugene hulks up. He atomic drops Coach a couple times, drop kicks him. Then an airplane spin. Then Garrison Cade. Yes, remember him? Yes, he was here as well. He comes out and rips up the teddy bear that Eugene had gotten from the fan. Rips the head off of it. Coach then decks Cade accidentally, and Eugene hits the rock bottom, and then hits the people's elbow to a massive response as... This should have been his entire gimmick, is just mimicking the real stars of the company. Is just doing ape all their shit do all their like i mean that's i'm sorry it's a gimmick that gets over is when you just mimic everybody i mean it's true you can ask uh damien sandow when he was mizdow it was the best run of his career and i was mimicking somebody when big show was doing the shokishi when he was doing the the showster when he was mimicking the other wrestlers it's one of the best runs of his career so eugene that should have been his whole thing is just but just stick to one for the whole match. You yeah. know? Just do The Rock for one match, and then maybe next week come back as Austin, and then come back as Hogan. And the crowd really liked the finish of this match. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, this was probably match of the night. One of the biggest reactions of the night was Eugene winning this match. Match of the night. Cade then gets a Stone Cold Stunner from Eugene. William Regal, who was Eugene's uh, teacher, I guess, comes out to the ring, congratulates him. Eugene is on an undefeated streak, ladies and gentlemen. He's the next Goldberg, so maybe that's that would be the next wrestler he gimmicks. He he steals the gimmick from Goldberg, maybe next match. Uh, Stunner from Eugene to coach, just for good measure. And there you go. And we're all ready to the world title match. 
Would you have took cookies from from the lady? The fact that the lady was in a bikini tells me that those cookies were not made in the most sanitary of conditions, <laughs> so I'm going to say no. I would have. Of course you would have. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't like the character of Eugene, and I don't like... Really? No, I, I didn't like... I loved it. It was great. I named a dog after it for crying out loud. I know. He did R.I.P. And yeah, I just, I didn't get much from Eugene. This would be a great Raw main event. This, like I said, this pay-per-view card is like a Raw card with a really great main event. That's That's all it is. Up next, we're already at the world title match. I know we've flown through this, but we're already here. We're already at the world title match. It's Chris Benoit and Kane. Yes, that's who they had for Chris Benoit. Is Kane. That's what they had for this guy. Kane's going to win the world title. They show the WrestleMania 20 recap with Benoit winning the belt. Kane envies Benoit because he lives a dream and Kane lives in nightmares, of course. Knox County's next mayor's out first. They show highlights of the attack earlier, just in case you forgot. I know you spent money on this pay-per-view, but maybe you just got up and left during the first match. Tuned in late. <laughs> yeah, tuned in late. Forgot you ordered this. Chris lights Kane up with chops. Kane screams in pain like a bitch from the chops, which was very unusual for his character. Like, it's odd that he screams in pain from chops, but won't tap out to a crossface, but whatever. Kane then shoulder blocks Benoit, rolls out of the ring. We're on to the second last match with an hour and 20 to go in this pay-per-view. Kane gets back in the ring. Benoit gets in the ring and levels Kane with an insiguri. Benoit shows no signs of the attack earlier, by the way, from tonight. Kane hits snake eyes to Benoit, hits a sidewalk slam for a near fall, a long headlock spot from Kane, then Benoit fires up, sends Kane over the ropes. Benoit runs Kane into the post, they get back in the ring, Kane delivers a stiff clothesline, Benoit drop kicks the legs out from under Kane, gives him a few stomps, Benoit tries the sharpshooter, but Kane grabs him by the throat, Benoit escapes with strikes, Kane tries a big boot on Benoit in the corner, he misses and Benoit drop kicks his legs out from him again. Benoit puts a sharpshooter on Kane, and the crowd comes to their feet. They actually bought this finish. Silly you, stupid crowd. Then Kane, Tricks are for kids. Kane crawls to the ropes. We get triple Germans to Kane, then Benoit lights Kane up with some chops, hits the triple Germans again to Kane. It's a flying headbutt. Kane, though, does the sit-up Michael Myers spot while Benoit recovers. Choke slams him. Big boot. Kane tries a top turnbuckle clothesline, but Benoit catches him, locks in the crossface. Kane, though just deadlifts Benoit, who hops over to the other arm, and you think, oh, we're just going to get the crossface from the other side. Nope. Just kidding. He rolls Kane over. One, two, three. Another quick pin. There you go. Kane should have tapped out like a little bitch. I'm sorry. Like No, he's, t- he's a monster. He can't tap out. Triple H tapped out, and he's he's the game. He's what everything... I mean, he is everything, and he tapped out. But Kane can't? No, he can't. The next segment might be a little divisive, because... I think that it's a good idea because pro wrestling, they want to be a sport. And in real sports, after the big game, they interview the player. After a UFC fight, they interview the winning fighter. WWE doesn't really do this anymore. This but, is why. <laughs> well, exactly. It makes Chris Benoit seem like a real dork. Because after Triple H wins a world title match, he doesn't go give Todd Grisham an interview. <laughs> Todd goes and meets him at the yes. curtain. Not even in the... <laughs> he doesn't even meet him at the interview section. He meets him at the curtain and walks him back to the interview section while interviewing him. And This dude's out of breath. I mean, yeah, and you make him say Chris Benoit is for real. Yeah, that's real. his tagline. Three fucking times. Gotta get that over, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I just... It was bad. Yeah, this was, was bad. bad. This is why they don't do this, probably. It but it also showed that they thought very little of Chris Benoit as their champion. They thought it was a good... It was a feel-good moment at the time at WrestleMania 20. They but they had belief in it. No, they had absolutely no plans. He was a transitional champion, and they made him look like a dork because, you know... All the other champions would have... I mean, Triple H had enough stroke where he could veto, you know, if they came to him with this idea. Like, after your big match, Triple H gave someone an interview. He would have said, fuck no, I'm not doing that. Chris Benoit, of course, is not in a position to say that. And then gives the interview like a nerd and goes over his own highlights like a nerd, you know? I mean, and then gets tries to get over this forced tagline... You know, that doesn't sound like anything he would say, you know. Vader might say it is Vader time. I sort of buy that from Vader, but I don't think Vader would ever say, 
Big Van Vader is for real. It just doesn't sound natural. No one would say that. Of course you're for real. You just beat this guy's ass. Like, yeah. Oh, boy. It was It was bad. It was brutal. And, it was... uh... Also, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't Sid's. Oh yeah, this is live, buddy. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, but it was it was pretty rough. Chris Benoit, incredible match. If you don't mind, take a look back at some of the highlights. Two grueling matches for you tonight, but you were able to overcome the monstrous challenge from Kane. Congratulations, first of all. Well, they don't call him the Big Red Machine for nothing. Obviously, he wasn't in there tonight as a number one contender for no reason. He is Kane. He is a machine, but tonight was not his night. Tonight he found out that Chris Benoit is for real. Well, earlier on, you, you tried to get your cross face on the big red monster. Let's take a look back here. You weren't able to get him down. Just talk about it. Well, certainly in match, someone like Kane, you've got to give it your all to wear him down. Obviously, at this point, he had had enough of the crippler. You tried again, tried twice early on. You weren't able to put the crossface on him. Once again, trying again, but Kane showing how strong he really is. As I said, they call him the big machine for a reason. He is a machine. He is big and he is strong. And overcome someone like that, he takes someone like the rabid Wolverine, the crippler Chris Benoit, who is for real. Well, another staple in the Chris Benoit arsenal is the sharpshooter. You tried that later in the match, once again, trying to get the big seven-footer down. Talk about it again. It looked like you had him early. So the sharpshooter is one of my strongest holds behind the crossface and the diving headbutt. But you're in there with someone like Kane. He's over 300 pounds, seven feet tall. It'll take a lot more than one sharpshooter to make him tap off. Well, right here, did you think you had him? It looked like the only way Kane was going to get out was to reach that bottom rope, and he was able to do it. Well, that, that was the only way he was going to get out of that. But in the end, Chris Benoit walked away with his arms raised, holding this world title high above my head, once again proving to the world that Chris Benoit is for real. Absolutely, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit, once again, is for real and is still the world heavyweight champion. Well, and also, I mean, you booked your world champion like a dork anyway because you put him in a tag match with no implications like a thrown together tag match jerking the curtain and then you put him not in the real main event spot you booked triple h and sean over the world title so you've already said to your audience this guy is not the real well, star it is a hell in a cell match we've already seen sean and triple h show so many times i mean not in hell in a cell of course not yeah we've only seen him in a regular cage which is basically what this match could have been because they never went to the Yeah, top. that's the one thing about this Hell in a Cell match that I think I find unique is that even though the goal of the Hell in a Cell is to keep the people inside, it's always get the fuck out of the Hell in a Cell. Go to the top. Well, and do a high spot. Yeah, yeah, do high spots outside the cell or get out of the cell and plunder lots of plunder. I mean, they used a little bit, but not like, not everything. Yeah. And that's what makes this next match unique. But this is the real main event of the night for nothing, by the way. Just bragging rights. Just, uh... Uh, beating my best friend in a big cage now, even though we've already seen this match now uh, twice. And uh, we've actually seen it three times, if you include their great European title match from Christmas Raw in 1997, which was a real nail-biter. Four times if you want to go ahead and count the uh, Elimination Chamber when it came down to the final two. Well, and you can also count the triple threat matches they had at Backlash and at yeah. WrestleMania. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, and this wouldn't be the end of it. I'm sure they have two or three matches after this, but this is, for our purposes, this is the end. I can't do it anymore, Patrick. You can't do another Sean Triple I have H. seen it all, because some of the spots they do are just repeats from the other matches. Same damn thing. Same fucking thing. So a promo recaps this feud. By now, you fucking know the feud. You've been going through it for two years. You know the feud. Does this really need more explanation? Apparently, they feel like it does. Triple H is out first. Now, I will note Triple H physique here. He does not look as ripped as he does. He actually has what uh, OSW Review calls a roid belly. I think uh -oh. he's a little out of shape. I'm sorry, Triple H. I mean, he doesn't look like this now. He looks like the Incredible Hulk. He's Yeah, he has... he's got like a Lou Ferrigno thing going on now. He's jacked. But right? here, for some reason, a little bit of a gut to him. He was a little... A little flabby. I guess it wasn't WrestleMania season, Patrick. He thought, ah... Just taking the year off now, you know. Yeah, just looked a little. Well, he just worked 
So he's coming out of main event mania. Yeah, so he just looks a little little out of sorts, hate to say it, Hunter, because, I mean, he still is, I mean, he's fucking massive. I mean, he's still huge, but he just doesn't look... Uh, that 0% body fat kind of is more like 2%. This, yeah, this what you're, this, yeah. That's what you're getting at. <laughs> he had a... This was when he was running with Evolution, so he might have sipped a beer one night and totally ruined his physique, you know. <laughs> then Shawn Michaels is out in his black chaps red vest, and he's got the red tights again. This is almost... Edge and Shawn Michaels are wearing almost the same uniforms that they wore in our last pay-per-view, Armageddon. So in two years, they've finally come around to this uniform again. But Shawn looked fine. I have no complaints tonight about his uh, attire. So it wasn't Poop Brown? Here no Poop Brown? Uh... His hair was a little short, I think. And that was Jericho. Jericho had the shorter hair and no goatee. Jericho sort of looked out of sorts. Triple H, though, I do have a bone to pick with him as he was still rocking his white boots with his black tights, his Lex Luger tribute uh, assemble here. And uh, white boots with black tights just do not look good. I don't know. I've. It looks odd. It really looks... Imagine if Stone Cold had big white boots on. He did. No, he had big black boots on. He wrestled in white boots. Yeah, but before he was Austin. And when he was the ringmaster, he wrestled in white boots. Well, that's why it never worked. He put black boots on and his life changed. <laughs> that really is the God's on That's what happened. <laughs> Not the Austin 316 promo, which just happened. We're the day after the anniversary of King of the Ring. It was uh, June 23rd from 96. The cage lowers. And dun, I get, dun, 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 yes, and yeah, they got the cage-lowering music. This is the newer version of the Hell in a Cell, not the original. So it's got holes cut out on the side for the guys to climb up. They wouldn't need them. <laughs> but the cage lowers, and these guys realize we've got like an hour or something to fill here. So they just stare at each other to start the match, which is always a great way to start Oh, they killed like three minutes of staring at each other before yes. they even touched. Which is, I mean, it... it Build anticipation. It worked. They exchanged strikes and chops to start the match. Hunter hits a stiff reverse elbow to Sean's head, which I thought this man was concussed right off the bat here. Sean does that fucking Thez press and those rabbit punches to Hunter, but they actually looked better than normal because he was a little slower with them and they didn't get a they didn't get a real tight shot of him to see how shitty they were, so <laughs> I'll forgive him here. Sean hits a swing neck breaker for a near fall. Sean flings Hunter into the cage and right away H has already bladed. Hunter has bladed almost immediately. He would blade more in the match, but just right off the bat. These guys... Is there ever a match these two guys, besides 1997, that Christmas match when H just pinned Sean, do they ever not blade with each other? This is just... They just want to get bloody and sweaty and gross. They blade no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Can't really answer that because truthfully, I don't... I think you're right. (laughs) Sean helps open him up with some strikes. We get a snapmare and a stomp to the face from Sean. Hunter hits a wobbly inverted atomic drop that Sean has to halfway sell, but this is where he starts selling his back for some reason. Hunter flings him into the post, smacks his back off of it, and then he flings him to another post, and Sean says, Oh, shit! Oh, shit! (laughs) And Hunter delivers elbows to his back and then hits some stomps and a backbreaker. So here we are, two years after the I'm breaking your back thing, we're going back to that, because that's a thing. Once you break your back, that's... It never fully heals, man. It's true, yeah. Hunter hits a long, delayed vertical suplex to Sean. Hunter keeps the attack focused on Sean's back, hits a backbreaker for a two-count on Sean. Then Hunter goes looks for some plunder. I'm like, oh, here comes the sledgehammer. Nope, just a chair. He wants that backbreaker on the chair spot, which looked really awesome the first time we saw it at SummerSlam 2002, but now I'm like... I know exactly, I know what this is. You've done this every time. Yeah. Sean, though, kicks the chair out of Hunter's hands. Hunter takes Sean, runs him back first into the post and the cage. Hunter finally gets Sean in the ring with the chair, hits a sidewalk slam on the chair with Sean. This time the chair was folded up, at least, on the ground. But then he did it with the chair sitting up in the ring. I said, cool, the first two times I saw it, but now I'm just, I'm used to this spot. It's lost its flavor. Sparkle. Hunter smacks Sean in the back with a chair for a near fall. Sean hip tosses Hunter over the rope to the outsides. They get in another punch exchange. Hunter looks for a pedigree. Sean low blows him, which is the best counter to the pedigree, honestly. Sean hits two atomic drops to Hunter and a clothesline. Then he knees Hunter out of the ring, whips him into the cell and the ring steps. He tries to pile drive Hunter on the steps, but Hunter back body drops him, and Sean just splats on the ring mats with his back. 
Hunter finds another chair under the ring and wallops Sean in the back with it. Hunter flings the steps into the ring. Sean kicks him in the gut before he can use him on Sean's face. Naturally, when you do this, of course, you would nip up with a bad back, and that's what Sean did. But he did sell it after he nipped up, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, oh, I'm a back. It hurt. He, he misses a super kick and gets hit in the face with stairs, and he did a massive play job from these stairs, like, <laughs> fucking gashed his entire forehead open for Hunter here. Hunter hits Michaels again in the face with steps. It gets holy shit chance just running... Because Sean is just bleeding so much. I mean, that's... It was just nasty. (laughs) He's pouring blood pretty bad. Sean kicks out of two pinfall attempts after these stairs. Hunter then runs Sean into the fence, but the camera misses the great face in the cage shot. Shame on you. Hunter then grinds Shawn Michaels' face in the cage and on the edge of the steps, which looked really nasty. Hits a spine buster, slaps in a sleeper. Sean hits Hunter in the face with a chair... And now Hunter bladed again. He one-upped Sean's blade job here because he went right... I mean, this dude went deep. And now Hunter is just gushing blood. Hunter hits him in the face again with the chair. Then Hunter hits a signature knee to the face of Michaels. Michaels finds a ladder under the ring. Why was the ladder under the ring tonight, Patrick? Go ahead. Kayfabe reason. Because you have to help. Set, attach the roof to the cell. Oh, of course, yes. You have to have something to climb up to be able to do it. So Michaels finds a ladder under the ring, and he gets this giant smile as he finds the ladder, which did look awesome. Because I think he realized the absurdity of finding a ladder in the Hell in a Cell. Michaels hits Hunter in the face with the ladder, then attacks the ribs of Hunter with it. Hunter gets whipped into the stairs a couple times, a third time, and he flops to the floor after hitting the ladder. Hunter gets cheese grated across the cage. Hunter catapulted into the ladder that was propped in the corner. Then Sean goes for the elbow drop, but Hunter rolls out of the way. Hunter crawls over to cover him, only gets a two count. Hunter runs Sean's shoulder into the post. Hunter goes and gets a table. Michaels, of course, climbs the ladder, hits an elbow drop through Hunter and the table. But Hunter, as I mentioned in our last pay-per-view review, I said, you know what, I bet after that splash, Hunter lobbied to kick out of that ladder spot. Well, he didn't get to kick out last time. He gets to kick out tonight. He gets to kick out of Shawn Michaels' giant elbow from a ladder in the Hell in a Cell after bleeding his entire blood out of his body. Hunter is Superman. He kicks out it too. Shawn tunes up the band, but gets low-blowed. A pedigree from Hunter, and Hunter slowly, slowly crawls over, only gets a two-count. They stand back up, super kick out of nowhere, but now Shawn has to crawl over. He only gets a two-count. Pedigree number two, and both men are down. Will we have a finish? I don't know. They stagger to their feet one more time, and they they do the lean-on-you spot, which I thought was going to be the three stages of hell finish that Austin and Hunter had, where Austin just sort of falls on Hunter and wins the match. So they're leaning against each other, and I think, oh, well, this is going to be how it ends. One of them does a move, and they just fall onto the other. Nope. Pedigree. Normal pedigree as Hunter wakes up. Pedigree number three... Gets the job done. One, two, three. Then Evolution comes out to scrape up their King of Kings, Triple H. And it honestly, it's weird that they didn't just go ahead and put the boots to Sean, but they let Sean just lie there. And they let Sean get the hero's exit. As after Evolution and Hunter had left, Sean gets to sit up, get his theme played, then gets the hero's exit like yeah. he won the match. Yeah. But he didn't. He got his ass kicked. As we have another definitive Hunter win in this... Uh, with a finisher, with three finishers, by the way, like I mentioned, or WrestleMania 19, of course, Hunter would beat Booker T with one pedigree. It takes three to keep Sean down, but that's... That's neither. the caliber of the talent. Yeah, it's the greatest of all time versus Booker T, I guess, so... Uh, this match should have... I would have preferred seeing this match as the three stages of Hell match. This feels like the actual blow-off match to the whole thing, like... Oh, yeah. I think we went in the proper order because... But if I was to go back and redo this, this match wouldn't happen in 2004 because I'm like, we're over this. We've seen this enough. This would have been the match at Armageddon. I'd have done... Instead of the steel cage for the three stages of hell, I'd have done a hardcore match, a ladder match... And And finish in the cell. finish in the cell. I like that better, yeah. Shawn Michaels, like I said... Like I've told you before, I think the best Hell in a Cell match ever is Sean and Undertaker at the original Bad Blood in 97. 
even though the finish is fucked up because Kane has to debut or whatever, but I understood the finish. Like, it was, he, he lost a shit ton of blood yeah, that night, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that was another match. <laughs> Sean was... Uh, these guys are giggers, man. They fucking... That, was, their that fucking... was a blood transfusion kind of night for him. Yeah, I think that was an epic, epic Hell in a Cell. I think it's better than the Mig Foley Undertaker match, even though that one's more well-remembered for obvious reasons, but... Uh, what's unique about this match is because they didn't do the crazy high spot. I mean, they did a ladder, the elbow drop off the ladder, but it was inside the cage. They didn't do even Sean falling off the side, any outside evolution any didn't run in. On the roof. Yeah, nothing. nothing on the roof, didn't tease any of that. So I think that's what makes this kind of really a special Hell in a Cell match because even though they did get some plunder like the stairs and the chairs, they didn't overdo it, and it, it almost feels... This is actually the real purpose of the Hell in a Cell is for two guys to eliminate the... Because uh, that was one of my problems with the Stages of Hell match is Ric Flair runs in and fucking interferes. He has nothing to do with this. Feud. In the steel cage match, yeah. man. He gets in and locks the door behind himself. And you're like, fuck, the cage is supposed to keep him out. This is actually what the Hell in a Cell is designed for, though. Yeah. is For two guys, even if they're in a faction, you won't get any interference. You'll have the actual blow-off of the match and... You're not supposed to get outside of it. Like, if this was the first ever Hell in a Cell match, it would be remembered as like, oh, this set the stage for everything, and then everything else would one-up it because people would go outside and you get crazy and then yeah. do all that other stuff. But I think it's unique that here we are seven years after the original and they almost went back to basics. They almost... They did what... We were coming the, off the hills the year before with, with the one with Triple H and, and Kevin Nash, which was the exact same way. They didn't. They stayed inside the cell. Which is, I enjoyed the match. You're not a big well, fan but he of took it. a screwdriver, so yeah. And so, well, that for me, that's just the most, you know. Well, Nash is so limited anyway. That's it's true. Like, that is very true. But I mean, yeah, no, I see where you're coming. It from. was one of my problems with the Hell in a Cell DVD of all the. Like, it came out what, like. God, like 10 years ago by now, like yeah. Hell in a Cell match DVD, and I'm like, oh, this is great Hell in a Cell matches, because, you know, this is when I wasn't buying pay-per-views every time. Now with the network, you see them all, but... Um, you look back, and you're like, fuck. I, I just realized Triple H wins every fucking Hell in a Cell match <laughs> that he's in. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. It doesn't matter. Until he got, I'd say, what, until The Undertaker at that WrestleMania Hell in a Cell, he pretty much won every Hell in a Cell match he yeah. was in. I think he lost to Batista once, maybe yeah. before that. But other than that, this dude fucking cleaned house in the Hell in a Cell. Yeah. He took, and it's not even his gimmick, it's Undertaker's gimmick. I mean, when people think of, oh, who do you associate Hell in a Cell with, they'd say the Undertaker. But it's like, he fucking gimmick infringement steals it and wins all of them. Him and uh, the casket match. I mean, when you think of the casket match, you think Undertaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just not another, I don't give a damn who. Undertaker really inspired a lot of gimmick matches. Buried Alive casket the inferno match inferno you, you think Kane, of inferno yeah. you think of Kane. i mean that's the whole which is a derivative well, of had, the undertaker well he had a because he, he did one with the mvp if i remember correctly yeah there was there was one other that didn't involve undertaker so but it was just yeah the ring of fire match had Kane. <laughs> yeah so they got a lot of uh gimmick matches out of undertaker but outside of this main event patrick this was really awful i'm really sorry i picked it I wish I could have just said, just watch the Hell in a Cell match, because this is this is the definition of a one-show pay-per-view. I, I feel bad for giving Armageddon such low marks last week, because this is way worse than Armageddon 2002. This is... See, you say that. I kind of liked it. I enjoyed... If we go down the line here, I like the fact that the way they pulled it off with Benoit to start. Benoit, he's not only... You know, he's wanting to... He's not only is he the world champion, he's happy with that. Fuck no, he wants to be tag champion too. I like that. You see it as a bullshit, like, fuck, you know, you're making it work. I look at it as a, like, I'm, no, I'm not happy enough. I'm here, I'm for real, because I'm the best. He's I'm, for I'm gonna real. Hold, I'm going to fucking hold every title that is, hell, if he could have, he'd have held the women's title. I mean, he just. Well, I think it would have been better if you had him actually win it. Or just no, had a I dominant agree. performance. I agree, but I see their point of putting him in that match. Tonko, Y2J out of cut. Don't fucking give a shit. Don't care. Terrible match. Don't waste time. Sorry, Jericho. Just not your best work, dude. Orton, Benjamin, I liked. 
I liked Orton's opening promo and jawing with the crowd because it's just quintessential Randy Orton. Like I said, there is no other wrestler other than Scott Steiner who is so obsessed with the crowd. Like <laughs> this came, this wasn't, this didn't feel like a work. This came across as a shoot. He really yeah. hates people. <laughs> he just and he, he acts like he's 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 a nice guy, but really deep down. Oh, I don't think he acts even he like he's a nice him. guy. Like yeah. he just seems like an asshole, and he just. <laughs> doesn't he's one of these guys that just seems like he fucking hate this is a job that he didn't really want to be a pro wrestler his dad just sort of forced him into it and fuck us and we're stupid and fuck you i'll take your money and i enjoyed the opening promo the match though it was mainly i mean i would blame it more on orton because i mean this was when he was mr headlock i mean this was god benjamin was doing everything he could Benjamin really carried this match. Well, he tried, but he couldn't upstage, I mean, Orton, because they had big plans for Orton down the road. So even Shelton was handicapped. And, I mean, this was an icy belt that they had retired two years before, and now we're supposed to care about it. So, yeah, Randy Orton, even to this day, is one of the the most boring wrestlers. I See, I like Randy. He's solid. He doesn't fuck up. But he is so fucking boring. He is the definition of a WWE-trained wrestler. Like, he's what I thought that Cody Rhodes, when he went, you know got released from the company and went on the indie circuit, I thought, well, Cody Rhodes is going to end up like Randy Orton because I think Randy Orton, if he was to get cut, would not do well in the indies. This is a guy that just works a very boring style. He's just boring to me. Outside of the RKO, they gave him one of the most exciting finishers to a guy that is so otherwise boring (laughs) that the RKO can make you forget about all that other shit you saw in the match. You mean the diamond cutter? Yeah, the diamond cutter. They gave him DDP's finisher. (laughs) He's just so boring to me, and especially young Randy Orton, he's even worse, I think, than he's much better now than he was then, but this was just uh not not good. I like the fuck finish at the women's Fatal Four Way. Trish screwing them all and take you know, quick screw over taking the title. This was uh I I liked it. It was heel Trish and it was it was a way to rub it in it was a way for her to rub it in the fans' faces, like, yeah, I'm prettier than you, I'm the fucking shit, and you ain't nothing. I like the way that the women's match was laid out, because, I mean, it was a very simple layout, because one would hit a big move, get a near fall, and one would interrupt it or whatever, but it flowed a lot better than that triple threat match we saw at Armageddon, but even by then, it's it's still not a great match. It's helped by the level of talent involved, because I think these are four of the best, where I think Jacqueline in last week's match, she kind of brought it down a little bit. She's not a great in-ring performer, but these still, four are I, some I'm, of the best. I'm lobbying. I, I, Victoria needs to be the woman that goes in the Hall of Fame this year. I've been, I said it, saying it here, saying it, I said it past. I'm saying it here. I'm saying it. I'll say it till WrestleMania. That's your Hall of Fame women right there. Coach and Eugene is. That's I, a raw match, though. That's I a raw match. Sh- it, you're right, but I loved the hell out of it. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was laughable. It was great. I loved. It. Enjoyed the hell out of it. Well, it popped the crowd. This crowd was also another thing that hurts this pay per view overall. This crowd was not very good. I hate to say <laughs> it, but Columbus Nationwide Arena. Maybe it's because it's nationwide. Not They're very on good. Your side. They're not on your side. They were not on the side of the wrestlers, and they were dead for most of this pay per view. They came alive for that Eugene finish for whatever reason, and they would come alive at the end of the Benoit match Benoit, when Kane almost Kane. tapped out. And yeah. uh, but Kane should have tapped out. That was my problem with the Kane match. Kane was a lost character by now. They had already done the Katie Vick stuff. They had already ripped his mask off. This dude is just lost. You know he's gatekeeper he is gatekeeper because like he's just a guy you can put in that he's spot the only, he's lose. the only hill you have on raw right now right that you can work in a program with in a main event status he's the only hill you have other than triple h you know he should have tapped out because it doesn't hurt i just don't think it hurts kane it's bad when you have you're turning the most lovable woman wrestler of all time in trish stratus heel because you don't have enough heels for one side one shot like uh, the, that, I guess that's where I'm coming from on that. So Kane, Triple H, that's all they had, main event wise that could work heel. Well, yeah, but I mean that, that was on them. I mean, well, no, I'm just I'm I'm just stating. No, that. I just think that he should have tapped out because you got to put this. You need to put your champ even if you're building to Randy Orton at SummerSlam. You still want you still want Benoit to be a worthy 
challenger that when Randy Orton does beat him at SummerSlam, it feels like, wow, he overcame great odds because this guy made the big red machine tap out or whatever. Because, I mean, like I said, Triple H tapped out at WrestleMania. So, and I mean, I'm sure Triple H to this day is like, oh, I did, I tapped out that one time. Like, it's like the one time, you know, so. But the main event was, the main event was fine. I think what hurts the main event uh, between Sean and Hunter is just that we had seen it. And uh, they repeated a lot of the spots that they had done in the earlier matches, including uh, the work on Sean's back, which is fine because, oh, you know, you never get over it, Patrick. You never do. And then... Never. Never fully heals. But I think we had just seen... We had exhausted this rivalry. We had seen everything before. Better in some cases. I mean, that SummerSlam match is much better than this. But like you said, that has an unfair advantage because that was Sean's return. But even then, it was still just a better match. Yeah. Like I said, Hunter wasn't in the best of shape here. He was still in good shape, but he... You're knocking him for two ounces of body fat. Yes. Like, Fuck you, dude. You he need did get better, damn it. <laughs> he didn't have, you know, an eight pack, so he's in terrible shape. He's, <laughs> he's washed up. He'll never work again. So I just I cannot believe you're busting his balls for not having an eight pack. <laughs> no, it's just he was. He had a gut. I'm sorry. He, did. he probably this was the one day he skips working on on. Yeah, the, he on did. The abs. He skipped ab day, and you're, you're giving him shit for it. Yeah, so I just thought we had seen it all before. So, the real question, Patrick, on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where does Bad Blood, with one D in bad, 2004, the final Bad Blood, rank on our rating scale? Well, there was a lot of blood, and it was bad. So, I'm going to go with uh, another one B. He is for real. He is Chris Benoit. I ranked Armageddon with Jacqueline, so I guess... I've got to rank this one with... This is a Todd Grisham. <laughs> Todd Grisham. Damn. Outside of the main event, I would not watch this pay-per-view. So, you're not missing a thing. Watch Coach and Eugene. It's No, don't watch that. It's entertaining. He's leading you astray. I'm not. It's entertaining. So, Patrick, I already spoiled next week's pick that it was going to be based around Big Van Vader. So, which one did you pick? Great American Bash. 1992, the flat-top, blonde hair surfer Sting is getting ready to face his gravest challenge of all time. And a man known simply as the Mastodon, Big Van Vader. Yeah, who had Harley Race as his manager at the time. And this would be another match where the world title did not go on last. Instead... They put a tag team title match over Sting and Vader. Yes, that's true. Possibly Sting's best match in the eyes of many. Uh, no, that's not good enough, even though he's the franchise when you think WCW, it's Sting. This, no, no, no. Second to the top. This, it, this could quite possibly be Sting's gr- greatest match. Instead, the real main event is Terry, Bam Bam Gordy, and Steve Williams, Dr. Death, taking on The Natural, Dustin Rhodes, and Barry Windham for the NWA World Tag Team Championship as it was a tournament final. So. You want to know why? Because he's fucking Terry Gordy and he deserves the main event. <laughs> and uh, earlier in the night, you see the uh, the tag team tournament play out, so you get to see them get to the main event as Dustin Rhodes would work three matches on this card. Wow. It's shocking who made it to the end of the tag team finals in this uh, tournament, Patrick, because you had Dustin... And Barry Windham take out Steve Austin and Rick Rude with Medusa. Terry Gordy and Steve Williams defeated Nikita Koloff and Ricky Steamboat in the preliminary matches. So, I think you had two of the underdogs, basically. The two underdog teams win. off, yeah. So, there you go. That'll be next week. Great American Bash 1992. Wow, now 26 years ago, Patrick. 26 fucking years ago. Damn, you're old. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Yeah, the Braves were in the World Series. They would lose to the uh, Blue Jays. A lot of things are different in 92. (laughs) Other than the Braves losing, that's still the same. That's still the same. Some things never change. (laughs) So there you go. We're heading to the Albany Civic Center in front of guess how many people, Patrick? 5,000. 8,000. 8,000. Damn, that's close. Yeah. In Albany, Georgia. Wow. 
WCW country as we watch Big Van Vader's biggest moment in the U.S. wrestling scene as he takes on Sting. That'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, Mike Lozalon's Lozalon. And bingo. Bingo. Thanks. The WWE family is mourning the recent passing of Leon White, better known to the WWE universe as the man they call Vader. An All-American at the University of Colorado, White was drafted to the NFL by his hometown Los Angeles Rams, where he would go on to compete in Super Bowl XIV. After an impressive career on the gridiron, White pursued his passion for sports entertainment, adapting the persona Big Van Vader. Vader at the time was the premier monster in the business. Big outfit, you were just in awe. It's Vader time! Very few people had ever seen a guy that big, that agile. He was really a, a freak of nature. He just planted it with a powerbomb, and Vader has won the world title! Vader was the first true super heavyweight to display uncanny agility and athleticism in the ring. A three-time world champion in WCW, Vader's menacing persona made an immediate impact when he joined WWE in 1996. He just had so much power and strength. I mean, we're talking about a 400-pound guy that could do a moonsault off the top rope. Yeah, how does he do that? A mastodon-sized man with an equally prolific personality, Vader had fun portraying himself on the hit 90s sitcom, Boy Meets World. WWE offers our condolences to Leon's family and friends and will forever look back fondly on the man they call Vader. Vader.